You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast, episode 288. I'm Matt Adams. Dave Griffiths is on assignment out in Philadelphia. We have fights, we have trade rumors, we have roster cuts ahead. Joining me to discuss it all from Beach Grove, the dean of Indianapolis Colts football coverage, Mike Chappell. How you doing, chap? Good. How are you, Matt? Is it as hot there as it is here? It's just sweltering here in the Grove. <laughs> well, we, we are in the air-conditioned uh, studio here, so we're, we're all right. Um, I assume I, I, I will be interested to hear from Dave how things are out in Philadelphia. I just know here we're under the extreme heat warning in Indianapolis and as Beach Grove as well, and it's not a fun place to be right now. <laughs> Yeah, like in four or five days, it's going to be in the 70s, so go figure. Yeah, I I can't wait. And, you know, yesterday uh, it was fairly nice, like it was warm, but we had a little bit of of breeze that came through, and it wasn't so humid. But today the humidity's here, so the heat index is up near uh, 100 or over, and it's just uh, not a fun place to be for man or beast. Stay inside. All right, so the the Colts are out in Philadelphia, as I mentioned, and and Dave will be out there. He's got a piece he's going to send to us. We'll we'll, uh, have some more from him after that. We do know that the joint practice yesterday wrapped up a little bit early with uh, some fisticuffs, Mike. Yeah, it's and following Dave, and I chose not to make the trip for a lot of reasons, but Dave and Brett Bensley were there, and I guess there was some chippiness early. And then it got to be real nasty when Zaire Franklin pounded Gainwell once or twice, and the second time, Jason Kelsey didn't didn't uh, like it too much, and he kind of blindsided Franklin. And we had 150 people in the middle of the field pushing, shoving, and you know just being tired of each other. And afterwards, Zaire Franklin said, "This is how we practice," you know. And to his credit, Kelsey said, "You know." It was a cheap shot. I shouldn't have done it. But th- this is the downside of joint practices. There is a major upside. There is. You get good work done that is sort of controlled, but but not not like a normal practice. The downside is you get guys are, that, that are trying to compete against, each, against different people, different teams, and occasionally it goes over the line. I mean, how many times if, – if there are teams that have joint practices there every week – there's reports of fights every week. You know, the, the Bears and Colts had a few last week, but, but they were primarily in the second in the second day when you're really tired of each other. So it's joint practices to me have more value than preseason games, but the downside is occasionally guys cross the line. Now, now one guy that we know made the, the trip but did not actually uh, appear, uh, well, he, I guess he was on the practice field technically as far as and he was walking on the practice field, but he didn't actually uh, suit up or anything like that, is Jonathan Taylor. And since last week, you know, we, we, I, I kind of called it a couple weeks ago, the soap opera, As the Horseshoe Burns with this thing with, with Taylor. Uh, we know he was out there in his hoodie kind of walking around as uh, we've seen him before. Um, but we've had some major developments since the last show. So tell us, Mike, a little bit about the, the trade that, that he wants and kind of what you think the team wants as an ask, asking price. Well, he wants to go anywhere. He's made that very clear. It really seems like Taylor and the Colts have reached the point of no return to where it just might not work for him to be here. And what came out is that uh, the team has given him and his agent uh, the ability to seek a trade. Now, what people need to understand is the Colts have always, always, in the last month, they've listened. They, they, they've had the phone lines open. They just haven't been calling. They've been accepting calls. And, you know, if people call, what do you think? What would it take? But this, this is different because if you remember in late July when Jim Ursay and, and Taylor spent an hour on Ursay's luxury motorhome, that's when Taylor requested a trade. And shortly that, thereafter that night, Taylor said, or uh, Ursay said, we're not going to trade him, not now, we're not in October. That's a certainty. Well, that, that's a change. So th- this is a change to where they, they, they're, they're allowing him to really, okay, go out there and see what you're worth. You, you think you're worth X, we think you're worth whatever. So they're giving him a chance to go out there and see what it's going to take. And, and, this is, this is where it gets complicated. You know, the devil's in the details. Uh, they want, I've been told, talking to someone with a team, that they want at least a one. 
which or, or something equivalent to a one, a, a two, and others. Christian McCaffrey got what was it, a two, three, and a four in this year's draft, and a five next year, four draft picks. I think the Colts would take that and, and not and not blink. But the, to me, the difficult, you know, phase that has to be answered is the new team signing Taylor to, an, to the extension that the Colts won't sign him to. You know, I've, I've heard three years, $40 million. Well, if some team's going to give up capital for him, they're going to want to re-sign this kid. And it's not going to be inexpensive. We've seen that here. Although people need to understand, the Colts never offered Taylor anything. And we've talked about that, which in my mind is strange. But that's the dynamics we have. But to me, the, the stumbling point, two stumbling points in a trade. And, and, and this is if some team gives suitable compensation. Is that team signing him to an extension that's going to be, I don't know, $12, $13, 14000000 million a year. And let's not forget, he's not practicing. He's, he's still on pup with, with, it, with his ankle situation. He's going to have to pass a physical before he, 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 he signs with the new team. So it's, to me, the simplest part is going to be the Colts accepting whatever they accept. They want a one. Do they get to the point they just say, hey, we're done with this, and they dump him, and they just, it's a fire sale. Maybe, I, I, I don't think they're anywhere near there yet, but if they get the compensation they can live with, number two, you've got to sign him, and number three, he's got to pass his physical, which right now he has not done. There are just so many layers to the thing with uh, with the injury recovery uh, that that has kind of been the roadblock for him to get back uh, on on the field for the Colts. But then obviously the contract thing is there, and then y- you would need a team, as you mentioned, that would have the draft capital in order that that would satisfy the Colts. But then that team also would have to give the longer term contract to to Taylor. Also knowing that no one's actually seen him on the field football field for a while because of, of the injury stuff. It just it, it, it makes it I mean, it, it puts, you know, we, we have said many times here on the podcast that, you know, both the Colts and Taylor are kind of culpable in this in this thing because there's just no good resolution for this. Yeah, I think the resolution is difficult because, again, as we've talked about, both sides are kind of right. Neither side is really wrong. But one side is stronger, and that's the Colts, and, and one side has the leverage, and that's the Colts. So, you know, and, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but what's really important is there's a deadline coming up next Tuesday when rosters are cut to 53. And at that point, let, let's say there's no trade. At that point, either Taylor passes his physical and he's on the 53, or he stays on pup and misses the first, at least the first four games. Now, how does that, you know, advantage anybody? So I've always said, you know, and, and people are very clear that deadlines spur actions. Oh, we got a deadline coming up Tuesday. Uh, I, I initially thought that, you know, maybe a month ago that he would be in the opening day roster because it made no sense for him to sit. But now I'm almost convinced there will be a trade. And, and it, it might even be, like I said, the Colts just dumping him, just getting him out of the building. Because it's this thing has really gotten to be how they're really really far apart, and it's it's really strange how they've gone from. Again, back in April, he said, "I signed a four-year contract. That's my obligation. I put pen to paper." To basically, I'm not playing there. That seems like what the indication is. And not to get too deep into the Taylor thing, but I know his agent's taking a lot of grief, and and probably he should. But Jonathan Taylor, he is driving this bus. He is. This is his wishes. All that's been done is is his wishes. So, you know, what's really interesting, when you watch, it appears the Miami media really wants Jonathan Taylor with the Dolphins. (laughs) They're really pushing that. And I tell you, you put him with that offense, wow. But are they willing to to give that kind of money? The draft pick – if it's a one or a two, if he's what you think he is, it's worth it. You're not going to get his quality of talent in the first round next year anyway. But uh, it's the con- the con- to me, the contract is, is the big thing. I don't know why he would agree to go anywhere uh, on, on a one-year rental and play out the year for 4.3 
And even if he would, no team's going to give a first or second round draft pick for a guy that might be for one year. So again, there's so many things working against both Taylor and the Colts. Hopefully, within a week, we'll know what this is going to, how this is going to be resolved. And and you would think that I mean, it would be best for Taylor. Uh, as far as trade value for the Colts would be to, to play. Because if he plays and he's healthy and he shows that he's healthy, then um, that, that would only help his trade value or maybe even reassess to the Colts how valuable he could be to them. But I think, I think by this point, I, I think we're beyond that point now. Yeah, I mean, again, you, he's, he, he, he wants top value, which I understand he should. But he, he, he's also saying, I want top value, but, I, but I'm hurt. That, and, and, you know, he had surgery in January, and everyone, even him, him expected that this would be, you know, the recovery would be over rather quickly, whatever rather quickly is, a month, two months. Well, we're past seven months. And, and that, that's why it's, it's, let's say a team expects him, to, you know, agrees to an extension, but then he's got to pass his physical. And, you know, maybe he does very quickly. I don't know. But like you said, there are so many tentacles on this thing, and they all have to sort of be in unison for it to work. And from another team's perspective, I mean, if, if you can get Taylor for, a, you know, even if you have to give up some, some draft picks, you are getting a premier running back here. He's only 24 years old. He'll be 25 in January, and uh, he's in the prime of his NFL career right now. Now, I know that's fleeting for any NFL player, especially a running back, but especially if you're that team that thinks, you know, we're, we're one great player away from, you know, being a, a real factor in, in the conference or maybe getting at, over the hump in the Super Bowl, he would have to be an attractive piece. Well, that, that, again, when I hear people say, well, he's just another running back. No, he's not. He's he's top five he, 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 and maybe higher than that. I, I saw a stat where he's averaged 5.1 yards in his first three years. That's the best in NFL history for a player's first three years. So, you know, and, and it's not been that long ago that he rushed for 1,800 yards and, you know, a zillion touchdowns. But, but then the argument is, and the Colts didn't win or didn't reach the playoffs. So what's the value of a running back? So, but but it, it, it it's just it's it, it's really a it's the the, the timing is just bad uh, for Taylor in, in a devalued market, and you're asking a team to trade a, for a massive player for a pretty good sized contract in August, you know, not in March when you're when you're building your franchise and building your roster. So, uh, but it only takes one team uh, to show the interest, and again, I think it's to the point that if if a team is willing to give something more than that, if they're willing to, to sign Tater to a new contract, I think it gets done because I, I think the Colts will come off the one. You always ask for a lot because that's what you do. But it seems like the, this, this relationship is the point that they will take. Now, they're not going to give him away for a fourth or a fifth. But if you can get a second and something else, I, I think they take it. Because it seems like this this player has decided I'm not playing in Indianapolis anymore. Yeah, I, I guess I would think a, a, a you know a second round pick and, and a couple other a, additional draft picks on top of that if if they could get that out of there. And, and it's just one of those things. I mean, from a Colts perspective, last year was miserable for the team, for the fans, for everybody. I, I don't think there's any argument about that. And people just wanted to get past that. They got the new quarterback in town with Anthony Richardson. They just kind of wanted to wipe the slate clean. And then you've got this Taylor stuff just hanging over everything, and it has dominated the conversation for the Colts this year, which I think is really unfortunate well and as bad and as chaotic and circus like as last year was he wasn't awful he, he, he you know the ankle limited him the offensive line bothered him the passing game hurt him and he averaged what was it four and a half yards a game eight 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 hundred and sixty yards with it with a really bad offense so I, I I really don't like the narrative where people start trying to tear him down He's an elite player. He's 24 for crying out loud. Now, one thing that can't be denied is running backs sort of have, you know, we talk about the short shelf life. He, he had heavy work at Wisconsin. He did. Uh, and, and, he's, and the Colts have, have worked him pretty good. And that's what's kind of funny is, is when all this is going on, we've talked to Ursay is, you know, what you've come away with is, you know, you know we're not going to offer you a new contract. But, boy, we think you can beat Anthony Richardson or what Marshall Falk was to Peyton Manning. 
we really think you can help him and be a big part of our offense. And then we'll talk contract next year. If I'm Taylor, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Why, why would I let you work my tail off and then I'll be an old 25 next year? It's To me, that would not help his value. And if I'm Taylor, I'm not trusting the Colts that you'll, you'll, you'll give me a new contract next year if all things go well. Because what they might do is just franchise him. And if I could get two more years out of Taylor, I would be fine with it. You know, five years of, of an elite running back. And then you move on. Look at most of the running backs. And that's and as long as you're not Frank Gore and maybe Derrick Henry. Five years is, is a good career for a running back for a team. But I understand Taylor, like we've talked about, it's a short shelf life. He wants as much as he can get now because he's seen how teams – throw away running backs yeah and I, I mean there's there's no question about it what we've seen with uh, a couple of the other running backs in the league this year and the franchise tag and how teams can just kind of use that as 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 leverage on these guys and, and pretty much they have no choice but to play so uh, their only options are to as you've mentioned before withhold service uh, ask for a trade or demand a trade and and that's kind of where we are with uh, with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor right now. So, but like you said, the, the deadline's coming up for the roster cuts on August the 29th. That's next Tuesday, and so uh, there will have to be some sort of motion there uh, as to whether or not he's still a Colt and whether he ends up on pup and all, all that stuff. So uh, the Colts have their final preseason tune-up against the Eagles on Thursday night. That's why they're out in Philly. That's why they had their joint practice yesterday. They'll be at Lincoln Financial Field, 8 p.m. kickoff. The game is. Uh, actually not on our air this time. It's on Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video, and then I believe WRTV is picking it up locally. And, uh, you know, we didn't see Anthony Richardson play at all against the Bears in their preseason game after two pretty intense days of practice there. But uh, I guess after a truncated practice and a fight in Philadelphia, they're going to they're gonna put him out there on the road team. And he needs to. I, I would have – it's kind of funny. I would have played him against the Bears – but, but my reason was different, you know, reps, 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 I understand that, but I would have put him out there just to come out of the tunnel and, and experience coming out of the tunnel, leading the offense, and, and hearing the crowd go bonkers as it would have. And then I would have had him run a very vanilla three plays and then sit down. So from, from, a, from a advancing his career standpoint, it wouldn't have done much but it would have just given him a chance to, to, to be announced for the, the home fans. But now he's going to play in Philly probably, I don't know, we always say a quarter or a quarter and a half. It's really more plays. It's like 15 or 20 plays. You know, if you tell if you tell him two series and you go two, three and outs and you're done, that doesn't work. And he'll play, the offensive line will play as much as he does. You're not, you're not going to put him out there behind the backup lineman, although – there's a, there's a chance, I guess, Ryan Kelly doesn't play. He came back to practice limited. Uh, Will Fries is still out. So you're not going to put him in there and do exotic things with the backup lines. But but he needs to play. He, he, does, he does. And you, you can get him experienced where he sees things, this, that, and the other, and protect him if the line's not holding up. So he'll play. And, and Steichen said that selected starters will play. That To me, that means more will play than won't play. And they need to. This isn't a team coming off a Super Bowl. This is a team trying to get its act together. And there's very, very few players on this team that are secure. And I shouldn't say very, very. There are only a few players on this team that are secure in their spots. There's a lot of things open to be to be decided on the roster cut down. So they'll play more than, than, than certainly they did last week, which very few played last week. Yeah, I, I was really surprised. I thought that uh... – a, a low risk uh, plan for Richardson on uh, for their last game against the Bears would just been a you know maybe a couple handoffs or a couple RPOs something like that a third down pass if they converted it then they would continue the drive if not they'd punt and then he'd you know put the cap on on the sideline and call it a day I thought that had been good for him for the home experience and then also for the home fans um, it's it's good though to to get some experience either way the the reps are important so I, I wrote that I thought he'd play a series or two and and I hope that it's just not you know two three and outs and and called a day I hope they were able to um, get some sustained drive out there, you know, something where he's on, on the field for, you know, uh, nine, ten plays, something like that, so they can kind of put something together. 
that's what they'd like. To, that's what they'd like Thursday is is put together some drives where you're actually getting something done, getting some getting some third and long, some third and short situations, and you get those in practice. But it it, it is not the same. I had a nice long talk with Peyton Manning last week about the fact that they've made him the starter, and he and he applauded it. You know, he was a guy they, that from day one he was the starter. Now again, it's apples and oranges. It's I'm not comparing. Richardson to Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck by any stretch, but he just said that you learn so much from playing as long as you're not getting your quarter, your rookie quarterback beaten up as, you know, famously Houston did with, with David Carr. So it's value. And so, so that's one of the reasons I think going with Richardson is, is a good idea and getting quality reps against a great defense on Thursday is the next step in that. And it'd be nice to be a primetime game. It's the only thing that the Colts have remotely uh, looking like a national game this year. I guess they do have the, the, the Germany game, but, you know, that's one that's not a primetime game for, uh, for the U.S. audience. You know you're coming off a bad team when you got a slew of 1 o'clock games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, for, for from a coverage standpoint, for all of us, you know, who cover the Colts and stuff, that love that works out well. It's appointment TV, but for that, for your franchise, nobody's seeing you. I, again, I I always harken back to the Manning days. They had five or six eight eight thirty games prime time, and I'm telling you, how many times when I was working at the Star and we had deadlines when you actually had deadlines. And the game, it, it just it just filters into 11.30, 12 o'clock during the Tampa Bay game with the big comeback. Got over it, I don't know, 1 o'clock in the morning. So it, it is, that's, the primetime games are great for the franchise, not so much for the local media. No, I, I remember, you know, and that was kind of, uh, that was pre-Twitter era, so, or pre-X era, whatever it is now, uh, for, for the Colts. So you really relied on your, your local sports coverage if you weren't able to stay up and watch the game. Most people were done, you know, in the third, fourth quarter of that game against the, the Bucks, and I, I stayed up and watched the whole thing. Uh, I worked on a morning show at that time, so it was not very smart to stay up and watch the game, but I did. And when I came in the morning, the, the next morning, uh, my coworkers had not, seen that the Colts had won and they were like oh sorry about this you know it's like one two o'clock in the morning we're sorry about this too bad that they lost I'm like no no they came back and won and nobody believed me until they they had they went to ESPN.com and IndyStar.com and then they saw the game write-ups and they're like oh I guess they did win <laughs> 35 to 14 with five minutes to play it's it's virtually impossible to overcome that yet they did Amazing! Just one of my, one of my I, like I said, I, just from a fan's perspective, one of the more um, one of the, the most amazing game uh, I, I'd ever seen uh, the Colts play and have to come back from. Do you think, uh, Mike? Just going back to the preseason game, do you think we'll see Buckner play, DeForest Buckner, or do, or do you think uh, they'll just go ahead and sit him? I would sit him. He's had that foot, and again, it, it, he, he's a good example of why a joint practice really su- suffices for for work. In, in a preseason game, you don't need it. Uh, it was encouraging that he came back because he had missed, I don't know, two weeks. Yeah, I don't think he plays. And there's probably a handful of guys that don't play. I, I think offensively, most of those guys will play as long as Richardson plays. If you're going to play him, play guys he's going he's to be with. Defensively, you know, maybe a Kenny Moore. I don't know. I can't think of too many defensive players that I wouldn't play other than Buck. Uh, Shaq Leonard won't play. He's still in, in in concussion protocol, which we need to keep an eye on that because th- this is not his first concussion. It's his second at least. I don't know if he's had threes. At least had two. It kept him out of the uh, upset of the Chiefs in in Arrowhead several years ago. So, uh, but no, I I will be surprised. That's a good point. I don't think Buck plays. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. And he's about the only one that sticks out in my mind that I would say uh, just definitely don't don't play him. Now, I, I do think anybody who's even got like a mild mildly nicked up at all, you just you don't play him. Uh, but if, if you can't have your starting offensive line out there, you definitely want that out there. And you've got on our outline here about the tight end room and all that. That That's interesting because a couple of those guys, what, uh, Moali Cox came back and, and Jelani Woods, I believe, came back to yes. practice. yep. And Ogletree. Ogletree has been back too. So, I thought one of them didn't come back. I thought Ogletree wasn't back yet. But but if those guys are are you know one practice into their rehab, do you put them out there Thursday? I mean, 
it, it, it clouds your, your, your evaluation when they're not there. But, you know, at the same time, I don't want to risk a guy who, who's sort of just coming back from an injury, whether it was, a, with, whether it was an ankle or a hamstring or a shoulder. So it be very inter- interesting to watch the tight end rotation on, on Thursday. As briefly mentioned a couple of times in the show, the, the cut down to 53-man rosters is 4 p.m. on Tuesday. So uh, this is a good segue to just get right into it, chap. Uh, tight end room, um, not to put you on the spot, but also to totally put you on the spot. Uh, what's, what's your tight end room looking like? Who do you think? Do you think they'll go with four guys, and who do you think they'll be? Yeah, I think they do four. Uh, boy, uh, with the injuries, it makes it hard. Mo Ali, Jelani. Ogletree and and uh, Colin Granson, I think, and, and then Will Mallory to the practice squad. Remember, practice squad players have to be waived first, so there's no assurance a guy that you that you let go on the cut day is back with you. But I think they like four. But and again, the problem is that Mo and and, and Janani Woods and Ogletree they, they've all missed significant time in, in training camp, so. Maybe the one that's on, that's most at risk will be Ogle Creek because he's coming off missing last year. But I think to go with four tight ends, and those are the four. If I had to, if I had to speculate, those would be the four I'd go with. Well, it's really interesting because, of course, part of it's because he's been healthy. Um, but but Granson's really flashed for a lot of people this this off season in, in OTAs and in camp. Uh, most of that's probably just been because he's been able to be out on the field, whereas Mo Alley Cox and, and Ogletree and Jelani Woods, we've not really been able to see him out there. But going into the season when they drafted Mallory, I was thinking, well, you know, I think Granson's probably going to be the odd man out here. But because he's been healthy and he's played well uh, from what I've read in, in the practices and such, I think he's going to be here. So I think I have about the same tight end room that you do. I've got Mo Cox basically because of the experience. He's your blocking guy. Um, Jelani Woods is your biggest playmaker. Granson gives you a little bit something different from some of your other tight ends. And then it's really between Ogletree and Mallory for that final spot. And um, I had leaned toward Ogletree tree on that with Mallory going to the practice squad is what I had written down. If it goes the other way, I'm not com- going to be completely surprised. I do feel like, not to pick on the guy too much, but I, I feel like, you know, in the preseason, you either want to be noticed or uh, for something good, or you don't want to be noticed at all. And unfortunately for Pharaoh Brown, I've noticed him a couple of times in the preseason games because he's picked up some killer penalties. And then he got kicked out of practice the other day too. So I don't know that he's going to stick. Yeah, they always say that it, if you're a one of those borderline players, don't draw attention to yourself. Don't give them a reason to cut you. And I, I getting thrown out of practice isn't going to be one of those reasons. But it it, it looks like it's going to be hard for him to to find a spot here. Which again, it's it, it, they've had good competition. They got a lot of bodies. Well, they've got a lot of bodies because they've had a lot of injuries at the spot. I just don't know that he makes this roster. All right, and then uh, wide receiver is another one. Uh, there's a little bit of intrigue there, and, and I don't think this would have been uh, too much of an intrigue. I mean, there would have been a little bit, but we, we know who the top four guys are going to be. You're going to have Michael Pittman Jr., you're going to have Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, Josh Downs. I think all four of those guys are absolute locks for the roster without a doubt. Then the fifth guy would have been Ashton Doolin, with, without question. Great, great uh, special teams player, absolutely fantastic special teams player. Really nice complimentary wide receiver in certain situations. Um, but now he had that injury last week. He's done for the year. I don't know if they're going to carry five or six wide receivers, but do you have any of the favorites of kind of the guys that are remaining? Everybody wants Michael or Mike Strawn. Remember Reggie called him, was it? Megastron, because he's he's such great size, and he reminds you of uh, Calvin Johnson physically. But uh, I, he, he, he makes the great catches, and, and he doesn't make the routine catches. The other day, he was, he was slowed down by a, a leg injury. I, I just don't know that he – I think he hasn't done enough, in my mind, at this point in his career to say, uh, you know, th- this is his third year. Has he done enough? I don't think so. The interesting one is they just signed James Washington. He's got a resume, doggone it. He's you know second round pick of Pittsburgh. Was it four or five years ago? Injuries last year makes a great catch uh, from Ellinger against the Bears. It, it it's it would be unusual, I think, to pick up a guy so late in camp and have him make your roster. But I'm going to keep my eye on him uh, being that fifth receiver. 
I think I think I feel along the same lines. Uh, I, I the guy basically just came off the the not off the street really, but just kind of came into practice, and you know went out played in a preseason game, caught a big pass, and and. He's got a resume, some experience, and I think uh, it's intriguing if you can find a room for James Washington on the roster. I think you should probably do it. If they do picks, if they do go with six receivers, I think maybe they keep Strawn around. But you know, it's just kind of that clock has been ticking on his uh, you know development. Just kind of waiting for him to turn that corner, and it just kind of just still hasn't happened yet. He'll have that that highlight reel play. Uh, catch, he'll jump over somebody, he'll go up and high point a ball, but then when it comes to just, you know, kind of a, a routine play, then it's just it's just not there, and I, I don't know if the Colts are going to continue to have their patience. I guess it probably depends on how much Reggie Wayne likes the guy, and I know that Reggie likes him, so I, I guess we'll just have to see. This is one to me where, the, you know, when they start figuring out the roster, you really need to rely on your position coaches. Trust them. That's why they're there. Listen to Tony Sperano on on which linemen he likes and and Cato G with the linebackers. You have to listen to those guys. Or what are they doing? And Reggie works with these guys every day on the field, in the in the classroom, in the in the locker room. So listen to your position coaches. And he he does like Strawn. I just don't know that Strawn's done enough to to warrant a, a spot in the fifty three. Yeah, I, I just I, we we've kept waiting, and you know the the patience at some point just is gonna has run out or, or will run out. And then the another thing that I keep thinking about is, do you think the Colts are going to carry three quarterbacks on the roster this year? I maybe I I probably only because in my mind I I sat down and just started looking at the you know cutting the roster to fifty three. I got down to 43, and then I'm thinking, who are these last 10 guys going to be? Because nobody really jumps out that they that they need to be a roster spot. And if it, if it's do you keep Ellinger or do you keep a, a an extra DB or linebacker? I then you keep the quarterback. Could he be on the practice squad? I suppose. Just keep in mind if you, whoever you put in the practice squad early in the week, they're a free agent. They're free for anybody. Uh, it just depends on whether the Colts think they need that insurance of a third quarterback. It's not like if you wave Ellinger to go in the practice squad, somebody's waiting for, hey, can't wait for Ellinger to be on the waiver wire. We're going to claim him. But I, I'd say yes, but not, you know, I'm, I'm not using ink in my roster cut down. So, and what, one thing we need to keep in mind roster the roster cut day to me is the cruelest day of the year because one of these guys who, who's just fighting his rear end off to, to have a career is going to make this roster he's going to be the, he's going to be that 53rd guy and he's going to call home and say mom i made it our dream came true and then the next day the Colts are going to claim two three four guys on waivers and that guy's going to be cut so I, I really believe the Colts are going to have – there's three or four guys on other teams that are going to be here next Wednesday. I really believe that. A lineman or two, maybe a corner. I don't know. Yeah, the, I, I, I would think offensive line for sure. Um, Chris Ballard, even though I think he likes his defensive um, line group, uh, if there's somebody out there that he thinks can can help that group, he'll go out and get them. And then I think secondary as well is a place that will, they'll they, they they would look to to maybe bring in uh, uh, another presence. I was talking to Joel Erickson of the Star the other day, and he said five. He think he thinks they'll bring five guys in. I think that's kind of high, but I won't be shocked. What people need to keep in mind. They are fourth, fourth in the waiver wire selection list. So they get they get prime choice of players. Uh, and I just, I think this is one of the weaker top to bottom rosters they've had under Ballard. Depth, yeah, there's depth, there's players. Quality depth, proven depth. And that's why I think he's gonna, he and his, his personnel staff are going to find some players on the waiver wire that they like better than what they've got. And, and one more point on Ellinger. The, the reason that uh, most years I would think, you know, the, the, the teams would go with two quarterbacks and, and such. 
What is different this year is, call it the Brock Purdy rule, if you will, will is that the, the teams can carry a third quarterback on their game day roster without it counting against the 46. The caveat to that being that that quarterback has to be on the active 53-man roster. So if they want to have that third quarterback, emergency quarterback option to use in games this season, they have to keep the guy on the roster. It cannot be somebody on the practice squad. Correct. And, and we're just going to see how it, – it's an insurance policy that – let me see what would have happened with the – yeah, it would have happened with the Colts once last year, I think, when Nick Foles got his concussion perhaps. But uh, it, it's just so rare that you need three quarterbacks. But, boy, when you need three quarterbacks, you better have a third guy, as the 49ers found out last year. And then uh, we, we already talked, uh, our last point was kind of uh, getting a, an offensive presence or a veteran presence for the offensive line, which I would highly expect that I, I, I could the see Colts two, would I do. Could see, I could see two guys. I really could. Yeah, I mean, it's to that point. I, it, it does not feel to me that they have any reliable depth on that offense, quality depth, as, as you would say, on that offensive line right now. One, one thing that people you know, I hear about on the radio all the time, well, boy, that, the Colts' second unit looked pretty crappy. But that, you don't, when you're playing these practices or preseason games or joint practices, it's not about having a second unit. It's about finding three guys. Howard Mudd always used to mix and match positions because he knew all he needed was like three or four quality guys at spots, not a second group, but three guys who can play here, there, wherever. And that's kind of, that's, that's what kind of you, you see where bad line plays. You've got guys that are out of position or whatever. So, but no, I, they, they need to find three or four linemen that they really trust can be backups because they're going to need quality backups to play on the offensive line this year. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. All right, that'll kind of close the portion of the show with Mike Chapel as we talked about the latest in Colts news. Next, we go to Dave Griffiths, who's on assignment out in Philadelphia, covering the Colts preseason game and their joint practice with the Eagles. Hello, loyal followers of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Dave Griffiths here in Philadelphia. Just wanted to check in with all of you as Chap and Matt kind of break down the uh, the big news items from the week. But since I am in Philadelphia, wanted to give you kind of a firsthand look of uh, things that I've seen, things that I've heard here uh, as the Colts get set to take on uh, the Eagles on Thursday, uh, Thursday night in their final preseason game. But uh, the uh, the the Tuesday practice was was quite the uh, quite the dramatic one for uh, for some right reasons for some wrong reasons. Um, of course, the uh, the obvious uh, what happened uh, being the uh, the fight at the end of it that kind of cut practice about 15, 20 minutes short between Zaire Franklin uh, that started with Zaire Franklin rather uh, having one or two good solid thumps in a row. And uh, Eagles All-Pro center Jason Kelsey very much taking exception to that and uh, just beelining straight for him and decking him from behind. It, it, was, it was not a gentle push. It was not a just a little, like, approaching someone and then uh, and, and shoving someone. It was a full-blown sprint to him and hit him hard from behind. He, he was not happy in the moment uh, at all and started a pretty big brawl between the two teams. Lots of players involved on both sides. Um, speaking afterwards, Zaire was saying that, well, I guess some teams just practice differently. Our speed isn't their speed or whatever. Um, and he, he was saying that he, he thought at least that he had a lot of respect for Jason Kelsey, said that um, he, he would hope that an, an OG, as, as he put it, would, uh, would, would at least look him in the eye first, but, but that he would certainly look him in the eye uh, in, in Thursday's game. So, so Zaire was ready to ready – to, uh, to buck up and and not backing down from from anything that he did and and then Jason Kelsey very much very much the opposite was contrite afterward was uh, very nearly uh, I don't know if he actually apologized but seemed very apologetic uh, post uh, post practice saying that it was he delivered the cheap shot that it, out of all the joint practices before he's never done anything like that so so he seemed to take the responsibility for it even though he said he didn't outright apologize to Zaire yet just because. Tensions were very high between the two teams, understandably, at the time. So um, I, I think bygones will be bygones. I think they will bury the hatchet. I think they will talk uh, on Thursday before the game gets going. And, and uh, a, a, a detente will be reached between those two. Uh, and, uh, and both teams will move on. I think ultimately there will be no hard feelings 
after uh, after all that, which was which was quite dramatic uh, in the moment. Um, of course, if you end with drama, there was drama sprinkled throughout the day as well as Jonathan Taylor was here at the practice, of course, in his traditional hoodie outfit, uh, dressed in all black sunglasses on out there on the field. Um, and, and, you know, last week Shane Steichen had said Jonathan Taylor was going to travel with the team. Uh, but then earlier this week, we learned that the Colts had granted Taylor permission to, to seek a trade. So I, I wasn't totally positive we would see Jonathan Taylor anyway, even if Shane Steichen said last week that he was going to be here. But indeed he was. He was here. So Taylor traveled with the team. Um, I, I thought something that uh, that longtime indie media uh, guru Bob Kravitz tweeted was, was very funny. Uh, that uh, I don't know why Jonathan Taylor's with the team. Is he earning Marriott points or something? Um, so it, it's true. I don't know exactly what he's doing with the team right now since he hasn't been medically cleared. Um, and, but, but he's here. And so he'll probably be, he might be on the sidelines on Thursday night. We could see him there, uh, which would be a, a, a heck of a thing on, uh, on the, uh, broadcast set to be on, on Amazon prime there. So, um, the, the Taylor saga continues and, and as, I, I, I just think it's, I'm sure that uh, Matt and Chap will get into this a lot, so I won't do too much, but this is the, the next logical step, you know, in, in this back and forth between the teams. A, a player wants a new contract. The team doesn't give him a new contract. Um, if the player, then Jonathan Taylor took it to the next level, saying he wanted to be traded because he wanted to find a team that, that he feels respects uh, him and his abilities more. And then no, no team is offering the Colts any legitimate deal that they would consider. So uh, Taylor stays to his stance. He says he wants to trade. And so therefore, uh, the, uh, the Colts tell Jonathan Taylor, hey, you know what? You can go out and look. You, you go ahead. Uh, if, maybe you can find a trade partner. Um, so, I mean, if, if someone offers the Colts something along the lines of a first-round pick, they would probably jump at the chance to, to get out of this and, and move on and earn uh, a lot of compensation uh, for it. But I, I just don't know if there's a team out there that's willing to offer that type of compensation for a running back that hasn't practiced in 10 months, that is coming off an injury that's supposed to take six weeks to heal after surgery and hasn't played and hasn't been on the field, not at all, and is still technically medically not cleared. So, and last year just had, had a down year um, after his uh, tremendous 1,800 yard, whatever it was, 20 touchdown or so uh, performance, leading the NFL in rushing the year before. So, um so very much to be determined uh, on that front, uh, even though Jonathan Taylor is here with the team and he continues to be with the team. He's out there on practice. He's hanging around with the running backs. You know, he's dapping up uh, Anthony Richardson uh, out there on the field. So, so you look at him and it doesn't look like there's any animosity between him and the players for sure. Uh, but, but it's just an, a, 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 uh, an, an obvious position where it's an awkward situation uh, between uh, the team and one of, uh, arguably its best player, uh, uh, certainly one, arguably one of its best off, it, offensive players uh, out there uh, as, as the preseason is about to wind up. Um, so some of the observations that I had for, from the field, um, the Eagles defensive line had its way, absolutely had its way with the Colts offensive line for the majority of the day. I'm not saying every play out there for sure, but if you take the whole piece of work um, from even individual drills, and especially in 11-on-11, 11 11, especially in the run game, the, the Eagles' defensive line was head and shoulders better than the Colts' offensive line. Um, Jalen Carter, the rookie, the ninth overall pick, looked like an absolute monster. And if you pair him with Jordan Davis, their, uh, their second-year player, also from Georgia, you have Fletcher Cox uh, in there as well. Uh, you have players like Hassan Reddick, who is one of the uh, NFL leaders in, in, in sacks a year ago. And, and it was very obvious that the Eagles' offensive line did not match up against this Eagles' defense, which, which is known for getting after the quarterback, right? The last year, I think they had the most sacks in the league. And this year, they are primed. They, they, they stocked up again on the defensive line, like I said, drafting Carter ninth overall. And they, they, they look every bit one of the most def, one of the most difficult defensive lines in the league. So uh, you get a look at where the Colts are against that, and, and it's not close. And uh, to, to be fair to the Colts' offensive line, I will say that they did not have the full complement of the starting unit out there. Will Fries was not in the lineup. Uh, Carter O'Donnell was, was there instead. And Ryan Kelly looked to be only out there somewhat. He was kind of limited in, in his participation. We saw Danny Pinner running with the ones from time to time. 
uh, at center. And so you would think, based on that, going to backups uh, in the interior, that a strong interior defensive line would do well. And that's exactly what we saw. Uh, we saw the, uh, the Eagles do very, very well in that area. So uh, the, 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 the problems have not all been solved on the Colts' offensive line, uh, as if uh, you would think they would, uh, based on what happened last year. So um, I, I, there's still a lot of work left to be done. Uh, for that unit uh, before the season starts. And uh, if you're facing elite defensive lines, uh, based on what we all saw on at Tuesday's practice, uh, the, the Colts offensive line could struggle against that. Colts cornerbacks has been an issue, we thought, ever since, well, the Colts traded away Stephon Gilmore, and you know they were going young. And then since Isaiah Rogers' uh, season-long plus uh, indefinite, I should say, suspension, knew that they were going to be super young out there at corner. Uh, Devontae Smith, the uh, the former, well, the Heisman winner at Alabama, who's been in the league for a couple of years now, absolutely had his way with, uh, with Daryl Baker Jr. in this Tuesday practice. He had two plays in particular that were pretty long plays down the sideline where he just out-jumped and uh, out-worked uh, Baker Jr. for the ball. One of them was just a long play. One of them was was technically a touchdown. I think it was inside the red zone, just threw up kind of a fade over there. And Devontae Smith, not the biggest wide receiver. I mean, he's all of 170, 180 pounds, um, and he's not the tallest receiver either, but was 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 clearly uh, clearly the better man on those two plays in particular, but, uh, but throughout the day, I would say, too, when going up against these Colts cornerbacks. And uh, that's not something I necessarily saw uh, from, from some of those, those younger guys um, as bad at other times, like when they were playing, uh, going, going up against the Bears, uh, you know, the, uh, last week in the joint practices uh, and, and in the game. But it was, it was very obvious today. And, and that, that could speak to the fact, this is just me spitballing, guessing here, that, um, that there are different types of wide receivers. You know, that's, that's obvious. Like, there's your 6'4", physical guys. There's your Michael Pittman Juniors and Alec Pierces. And then there are other guys, like your Josh Downs, who's the slot guy. Devontae Smith is very much an elite route runner. Um, he is a smaller guy that is shifty, that is on point with what he's supposed to do. He is quick, and he has great hands. And uh, if, if the Colts cornerbacks do better against bigger wide receivers, that's possible. Uh, and, and they do, they struggle maybe against uh, the smaller Devontae Smith-type wide receivers. That, that, that could be something that we see this year. Um, to be fair, Devontae Smith is, is a very, very good receiver. So uh, to say that uh, you, you struggle against him is, I mean, it's nothing to be embarrassed about, but it's certainly something to note uh, as, we, as we just about wrap up the preseason here. Uh, there were a couple bright spots uh, out there for sure. Um, I don't think Anthony Richardson did anything uh, terrible, which, I mean, you're going up against a, a great defensive line and a pretty good secondary led by uh, Darius Slay, one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. You don't go out there and do anything really stupid. So um, I thought he was fine. Um, a couple good plays in, in red zone for the second unit offense with Gardner Minshew throwing to uh, tight ends found, uh, both, uh, found both Will Mallory and Drew Ogletree in the back of the end zone and wide open, both of them. Uh, on some some very nice plays to to get touchdowns working in red zone. So uh, tight end continues, especially now that uh, Drew Ogletree is back, as is Mo Ali Cox. Saw both of them returning from injuries. Uh, tight end is getting back to closer to, if not full force now. Um, while Jelani Woods is still uh, still injured, so it's not full force, but it's getting closer to full force out there. Um, that is a one of the units that you expect to be a matchup problem for other teams. Um, if you can get all those big bodies and skilled bodies out there, Will Mallory continues to impress me. I don't know exactly where he fits based on, uh, like based on what the Colts have, but, uh, he continues to make good plays, uh, throughout training camp, throughout, uh, preseason, uh, joint practice work. Uh, we'll see if he does anything in this game against the Eagles, but I, I continue to be impressed with his skill set, uh, particularly as a receiver, uh, obviously, uh, at the tight end position, along with, uh, Mo and Ogletree returning to force Buckner's out there as well. Uh, we spoke with Zaire Franklin after the practice, and, and he was just elated uh, to have Buck back. Yeah, the way he put it was, like, every three plays, Buck decides to go and wreck it. Um, so uh, to, to have him back there is notable as, uh, as the season approaches that 
Uh, his injury wasn't obviously too serious to be back for this joint practice. I, I doubt he plays in the game. Maybe he does, just to, to knock a little bit more of the rust off. But uh, to see him out there in, this, uh, in the game, uh, in the practice, was, was certainly encouraging that he, uh, as long as everything goes well, should be back and ready to go uh, by the, the Colts, uh, by the kickoff to the season for sure. Um, some more things that I heard. Uh, I talked about Z- what Zaire Franklin, what Jason Kelsey had to say uh, about that fight. Uh, Shane did have a, a few things to say about Jonathan Taylor. He is, he is never a, a highly verbose individual, which is perfectly fine. Uh, but uh, and he's even been less willing to, to share details about what's happening with Jonathan Taylor. He's just the guy who represents the Colts, who, uh, who happens to stand in front of us all the time, uh, us media all the time. It's not like we talk to Chris Ballard. Uh, two or three times a week, like we do with Shane. So uh, Shane said, uh, told me that, yes, Jonathan Taylor is still not medically cleared and uh, that he did travel, obviously, with the team. Um, They are, I think his quote was when asked about uh, the reports about Jonathan Taylor being granted permission to seek a trade, his quote was, I believe, we're working through those things, end quote. So that's, that's, like I said, a really, uh, really uh, in-depth uh, analysis from Shane Steichen, who for, for a long time has just been over answering Jonathan Taylor questions. Not like he has too much more more to add to that anyway. Uh, now the ball is in Taylor's court with uh, him being able to go out and find try to find a trade partner. Um, Shane announced that Anthony Richardson would start in this last preseason game, which I know has got to be disappointing to Colts fans somewhat that like he starts in the two road preseason games and those pl- fans who went to that one home game uh, didn't get the chance to see him live and in person yet. Um, so, uh, nevertheless, that's what the plan is. And I understand, I think, the reasons behind it, that uh, Richardson had a couple of different practices against the Bears last week, two of them, as did the entire starting offense. And you don't want to overwork the starting offense, particularly the offensive line, I think, that keeps pounding, pounding, pounding over and over again. You don't want to give him basically three joint practice slash game days in a span of four days. Um, so you don't want to start the offensive line, so thereby you don't want to start your, your top quarterback out there. But he is going to start in, in this final preseason game, get some more snaps. I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar uh, ratio or a similar time frame as we saw uh, in that first preseason game where he'll play the first quarter and then step out and see Gardner Minshew and, uh, and Sam Ellinger come on after that. Um, so, so, yeah, those are my, my observations uh, and what I heard. From, uh, from here in Philadelphia, uh, eager to, uh, to wrap up this preseason, eager to grab some Wawa down here uh, and uh, enjoy myself uh, in, in the great city of brotherly love. Uh, let's send it back to uh, Matt and Chap uh, to continue here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. That was Dave Griffiths on assignment in Philadelphia following the Colts there as they play their final preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. The Colts will open their home season on Sunday, September the 10th at Lucas Oil Stadium against the dreaded Jacksonville Jaguars. For Dave Griffiths and Mike Chappell, I'm Matt Adams, and you've been listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast.